0: Well, good morning, morning. Merry Christmas again, Um, you guys know what time it is, the party doesn't stop after Christmas, so we are going to be wrapping up our Advent series entitled Fear Not, so we're going to be in John 1, so I want to invite you to turn there if you have your copy of scripture. So as we wrap up this morning, first and foremost, welcome to those of you who are gathered here and to those of you who are watching online, we're glad that you're here. We hope that you've been seeing all throughout this season of Advent that wherever the gospel shows up, wherever the announcement of Jesus is, there is this call to let go of fear. Whenever God shows up, he expels fear. And we've been looking at the different characters in the Christmas story. But my hope for you today is that you would find yourself in that story as well. We're going to look, like I said, in the, in the Gospel of John. And he chooses to start his Gospel in a way that is different than all of the other Gospel writers. But before we get there, um, if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear this. Christians do not need to fear because Jesus brings light and life into a world of sin and darkness. So Christians do not need to fear because Jesus brings light and life into a world of sin and darkness. So let's jump into John 1, starting in verse 1. John says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John uses this analogy of light and darkness. So to really understand what John is saying this morning, we, we have to dive into the complex relationship that is uh, when light meets darkness. But I also realize that we're just coming off of Christmas and a lot of us are tired. So um, rather than us think through it, I decided to interview uh, a world-class leading expert on the difference between light and dark and uh, the conversation was very dense, so I decided to just give you a brief little video highlighting that conversation.
1: Hey guys, I'm Miles. So today I'm gonna to be talking to you about light and darkness. Right. Light makes me feel happy. Darkness makes me feel angry, which I do not like dark, because sometimes I get nightmares, sometimes I'm fine. Because like when you're a six-year-old, you don't know what's gonna happen. When it's dark, you just you can't see anything. You're kind of like blind and stuff. So like there could be a creature anywhere, and then it could like swoop down and attack you at any time. And when you're not looking, you can be like, "Oh, where's that sound coming? Where? Like, which way was it?" And you you would never find out, and then it just swoops in and attacks you. If it's, like, a bird or something, maybe a snake. I don't know if those things hibernate at all. Um, So now let's talk about light. Light is part of my favorite thing of the day, which helps me, prevents me from doing stuff that's in the dark. But, so I can throw the football in the light, And I can do all the fun stuff that's in the light. Where does the light come from? Light comes from this earth. And you want to know who created it? God did. So God created the whole world, so he definitely created the sun. And all the planets. Even space. And once there was nothing. Nothing in the world. There was literally no humans, no nothing. So now that it's Christmas, I have a tree that's lighting up my room, dinosaur lights around my mirror, and a dinosaur remote light LED thing. And that keeps my room light. And then when it's not Christmas, I take down, I put my bathroom light on so I can see what's going to happen and stuff. When somebody comes, walks into my room, like, something scary because everyone knows bad things happen at dark.
0: Everybody knows bad things happen at dark. Thank you, Miles. It was a great job. So nobody really understands the complexity of the difference between light and darkness like our children do. But you see, that fear that's associated with darkness, um, it never really changes. It's always still there. It just looks a little different. So we might not, some of us are, and if you are, I'm not ousting you, but we might not be afraid of a dark room. But deep down, this whole weekend, a lot of us have been hiding the fact that we have to go back to work on Monday and see that boss that we're deathly afraid of. Or we're trying to act like um, everything will be okay in 2021, but we're deathly afraid that 2021 will just be 2020 part two. Right? We're afraid that on New Year's Day we're going to wake up and the virus is still going to be here, the masks are still going to be here, and it really scares us. Or we're dreading the fact that we have to go back to, I'm sorry to bring it up, but to virtual schooling. Right? And that, that fear never actually goes anywhere. So it's amazing to me the fact that whenever Jesus' first coming is mentioned, there is this command to not fear. And I want you to find yourself in that story this morning. That when Jesus shows up, he expels all the fear. God's response to darkness is he lights it up. And all throughout Scripture... The idea of darkness has been associated with chaos, with sin, and the effects of death. And in John's gospel, he chooses to start by forcing you to think back farther than just a manger in Bethlehem. He uses the words, in the beginning, because he wants to draw your attention to the first time that light invaded darkness. So as we look at John chapter 1 for you type Ayers, I have a brief outline, three points to help us think through it, all right? The credentials of the light, that's in verses 1 through 5. The actions of the light, it's in verses 6 through 13. And the effects of the light, which is in verse 14. So the credentials of the light, the actions of the light, and the effects of the light. Or, if I could simplify it, who is he? What did he do? Why should we care? So we're going we're gonna to jump right in. So the credentials of the light. Let me read again verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John is saying, think back to Genesis 1. Where, as Miles said, there was no humans, there was no nothing. And the first thing that God does when he invades the chaos is he speaks and he says, let there be light. So John is saying, let's just make sure we know who we're, who we're talking about here. We're talking about the God who is sovereign over all things, who, is, who sustains all things and reigns over all things, who created all things by the very word of his mouth. First and foremost, that's who we're talking about here. This is no plan B. This is the same God who always was, who existed in the beginning. That's who we're talking about. That is the God that you and I have the privilege of knowing. This is the God who's going to say, hey, don't fear. This is the God who's going to say, remember when everything was dark and I invaded it with light and I began to bring order to chaos. That's him. That's him. And then John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And it's here that John ties together three words, word, light, and life. And ingrained in the very existence of all humanity is the light of life that comes from the word of God. Genesis 2-7 says that God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. That's who we're talking about. That's who we're talking about. And it's this light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. That is the context of the entire Old Testament. As Adam sinned and then was forced, all of mankind is forced to live in the shadow of death. The whole story of God is how he has not given up on his people. The whole story of God is how he is still faithful in the midst of man's sin. John says, this is our beginning. This is our beginning. This is where Christmas starts, not at a a manger in Bethlehem, but it actually starts at the very beginning in the fact that God is completely faithful to his people in the midst of our sin and darkness. And it's because of God's faithfulness, this light does something. It's because of God's faithfulness, he doesn't just back off and, and say, all right, well, here you go, figure it out. Brother, God takes action. And he continues to pursue his people. And that brings us to to the actions of this light in verses 6 through 14. John says, There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He was a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. So that word that existed and reigned over all of humanity, John says, now comes to humanity. The idea that God would put on flesh and get so immersed in the dealings of his creation. The one who said of himself in Isaiah 66:1, heaven is my throne and the earth is merely my footstool, has humbled himself to come to us. Do you get the sense of, of wonder that's in John's voice? Do you get the, the idea of the magnitude of the fact that God would, God would become man to dwell with us? He would become like us in every way, yet, as the author of Hebrews says, he wouldn't sin. And as we read, he has a fantastic experience as he does this. He's rejected in every sense of the word. He came to his own and they didn't even recognize him. He grew up the first two years of his life as a refugee in Egypt to escape a tyrant king who was trying to kill him, only to then go back to the town of Nazareth. And if you don't know anything about Nazareth, later, one of his disciples would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was not the place to be. And in all of that, he knows. He knows what it's like to live with the effects of darkness. He knows what it's like to live with the effects of sin, not his own. But he knows. The message of the gospel is God knows you. Is God was willing to come to be with you because he knows. But in all of that, he has one purpose in mind. And that is to restore God's relationship with his people. To restore the creator's creation to himself. And he does it not as slaves this is not a conquering, every knee must bow because they will be forced to. This is an invitation in the first coming of Jesus to where God is not interested in you being his slave. God is not interested in how much he can get from you, but rather God is interested in elevating each of us to son and daughter. Throughout this sermon series, we've, we've stopped and we've considered the miracle that is the virgin birth, but have we truly reflected on maybe even the greater miracle that is through Christ we have a new birth as well and it's not based on your past it's not based on any kind of family distinction or any kind of history it's based solely on the love of god can you find yourself in this story can you find yourself in the midst of a of a of a loving god That brings us to the effects. Why should we care? Verse 14 is the climax of chapter 1 of the book of John. And John says this again. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. See, the whole story of the Bible is God dwelling with his people. He dwelt with Adam in the garden, and he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And then something happened. Adam chose to take the creation over the creator. And part of the curse was Adam was expelled from the garden and away from the presence of the Lord. Yet God didn't stay in a garden. Neither did God stay in heaven. But God came and he called Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he made a people for himself in Israel who nobody else would have chosen. They were small, they were rebellious, they were stiff-necked, and all throughout the story of Israel is God's covenantal faithfulness to his people. He buys them back out of slavery in Egypt and he delivers them, and he has them go into the wilderness, and he doesn't leave them there, but rather he has them set up a tent for his presence called the tabernacle, which would later become a permanent structure called the temple, who Solomon, the guy who built it, when he built it, he prayed and he said, if heaven of highest heaven... Cannot contain you. Well, how much good can this house that I've built? And you see that God is constantly moving towards his people and he's getting closer and closer. And yet, even in all of that, there was no walking in to the presence of God, there was no seeing who God is. Both the tabernacle and the temple had a set apart place called the Holy of Holies, which only the high priest could go in, and it was only once a year. And if he had any sin that was not atoned for, that wasn't covered, he was dead. Sorry, I can't snap. He was dead. That's the glory of God. The most holy person in the whole Old Testament, arguably Moses, was told by God in Exodus 33, you can't see my face because no one can see me and live. So God makes his goodness and his glory appear before Moses, but he hides Moses in a rock, and Moses gets to see the back of it. And his face glows for days, the Bible says. And yet in Christ, John says, we have seen his glory because the glory of God has become something to be lived with, to be touched, to be seen, and to be heard. It has become a person to be loved. Unthinkable to John's Jewish audience, and unthinkable to any Gentile readers, too, where the immaterial, the thing that's prized above all else is the immaterial. And it does not get tainted by things that you can see and touch. And Jesus goes, he blows that out of the water. And unlike anything else, he steps into human history for you and for me. And John says we get to, we get to see him. What John is talking about is unrestricted access to the God of the universe. That is the gospel message. One theologian, J.C. Ryle, says this. He says, the light which men got from Moses and the law was at best, at best, only starlight compared to noonday. This week, did anybody get a chance to go out and look at the stars, especially when, uh, was it, Jupiter and Saturn like, came together? I mean, it was cloudy where I was at, so it was kind of a buzzkill, but have you ever looked at the stars in general? It's pretty cool, right? Have you ever tried to do that to the sun if you haven't, don't. It doesn't work. It, it, it ends bad. J.C. Ryle is saying the exposure to God in the Old Testament was at best looking at the stars. The exposure that we get to the presence and the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ is like staring straight into the sun in comparison. This is unrestricted access to the God of the universe. And when you come close, when you experience this this kind of light, this kind of love, it has an eternal impact. It begins to expel fear. But maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, Jake, I also know something else that light does that you haven't talked about, and that is it reveals what's been hiding in darkness. Because you see, a lot of us, we're terrified of light, We're terrified of the light because we're afraid of what it's going to reveal. We're afraid that people are going to see that we're not as put together as we try really, really hard to make them believe. And maybe you're asking the question how do I know that God's not going to see how bad I really am and desert me and leave me and think I'm too far gone? New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says this at Christmas time, Christmas time is God lighting a candle. And you don't light a candle in a room that's full of sunlight. You you light a candle in a dark and murky room that when that candle is lit, you realize just how bad things are. So how do I know that God won't leave me? How do I know that he won't see me for what I really am and desert me? Well, that's why we have the cross. That's why we have the cross, the light of life that is in all mankind that was in Jesus as a member of the human race was snuffed out. It was blown out for you and for me. But something amazing happened. Three days later, as the, tomb was, as the stone was rolled away from the tomb and the light peered into the darkness of the tomb, it revealed one thing, that it was empty. So because of the cross, you and I don't have to fear. Because of the cross, you and I don't have to ask the question, how do I know for sure that God's not going to leave me? If he pursued you unto death, how much more will he live for you? And that is, the, that is the promise of the cross. But maybe you're also thinking, okay, so what do I do when I find that I'm still afraid? Because I'm going to go out of here and something's going to happen and I'm going to be afraid. Or I'm thinking about 2021 and I'm afraid because I don't know. Well, one of my favorite pastors, R.C. Sproul, he wrote a book. He actually wrote a lot of books. And he, wrote, and he gave a lot of sermons and I've listened to a lot of them. And the most profound, the one that had the most profound impact on me was actually a book that he wrote for his kids called The Lightlings. So in this book, this little boy, Charlie, asks his grandpa, he goes, Grandpa, why am I so afraid of the dark? I hate it. I can't go to sleep. I always have to have a light on. Why am I so afraid? Charlie's grandpa tells Charlie a story. And he says, Charlie, one day there was this king, and he was the king of light. And one day he created this beautiful garden and out of his goodness he made people to look like himself and he called them his little lightlings because they shone really bright and he loved them and he would, he, would, he would walk around with them. You see where this is going? He would walk around with them and every time they got really close to him, they would glow. Well, one day the lightlings decided that they wanted to do life on their own. They wanted to live a different way than the king of light had told them. And the minute that they made that decision, they, they found that they, they, they got a little dim. They didn't glow quite as bright. And once they saw this, they became terrified. So they ran away. They ran out of the garden. They ran deep into the woods because they figured the king of light would be angry and he would come to punish them. So the more they ran, the darker things became. And they ran deep, deep into the woods. And they started tripping over things because they couldn't see. And then one day, through the trees, these beams of light started Showing. And all the lightlings were afraid and they thought, Surely this is the king of light who has come to punish us. But some of the children ran towards the light. And when they came in a clearing amongst this bright, bright light, they realized that it wasn't the king of light. It was actually a baby. It was the son of the king of light. And the more that the children stayed around this baby, the lighter they became. They went back to their parents, and their parents saw how light they were. So they went and they saw the baby, and they realized that the King of Light wasn't angry. Rather, the King of Light had brought them a present. The King of Light had showed them that he can still expel the darkness, even in the midst of their sin. Paul says If God is for you, and if God is with you, then no one can be against you, not even yourself. That's the power of the gospel. That is the power of the cross. And Charlie's grandfather says, You see, Charlie, we're afraid of the darkness because we were made to live in the light. But one day, all of us who truly love the Son will live with him in the light forever. And that's our hope too. John, in, in Revelation 21, when he talks about how he sees God dwelling with his people, what what does that mean? What does that look like? He says, I saw no temple in that city because the Lord God Almighty was its temple and the lamb was its temple. And he said, and I saw no sun and there was no moon because there was no need for it because the glory of God is there and the lamb is its lamp. And in verse 25 he says, and there's no more night there either. There's no more darkness at all. We have nothing to fear. We know the end of the story. We know that just like how Charlie's grandfather told him, all of us who love this son will one day live with him forever. We know that the darkness doesn't win. And yet what I love about the gospel is is it's not just a, hey, hold off because things will get better. But it speaks to us right now. We get to live in this light right now. John says, So to the churches in in 1 John 1, 7, he says this, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's the church. And at the same time, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Paul says we who are being conformed into the image of Jesus day by day, just like the lightlings, the more that you hang around Jesus, the more you begin to look like him, the more you begin to reflect him, the more you actually become a member of the light. And what he does is he puts his spirit inside of you and you become a portable light to a dark world. So before I close, I want to share with you the advice of the grandfather from our story. He says this, Hey Charlie, let me make a suggestion. Every time you see the sun, the moon, or the stars, or you light a candle or you turn on your nightlight, Remember the story of the child of the King of Light, who was brought into the darkness of this world, and remember that He gave us this baby as a present. As long as you remember that, you will never ever have to be afraid of the darkness again. On the way in, you should have got a pack of glow sticks. This is the time. For those of you who have been going, "What the heck is up with the glow sticks?" and have been really wanting to open them but haven't yet, this is this is the time. So go ahead and grab it. Take one out. Here's here's what I love about glow sticks. I mean, first of all, they're just fun, but in order for this thing to glow, it has to be cracked, and Jesus said that his body was broken for us, and it was in that breaking of Jesus' body, the light of the gospel can shine into the darkness, so go ahead and break one and see, see see the light. Jesus says, my body's been broken for you. And God, through his spirit, for all of us who love Jesus, he puts his spirit inside of us and you become a carrier of the light. So no matter how dark things are, the light of Jesus, long after this glow stick stops shining, the light of Jesus will shine in your life forever. That is the promise and the good news of God. So I hope you have extra Because what I want you to do is with your roommates or your family or your kids um, on New Year's, when you're celebrating New Year's, I want you to take another glow stick out and I want you to crack it. And let that be a reminder that in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of chaos, you have nothing to fear because Jesus brings light and life to a world of sin and darkness. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that you looked upon us in our helpless estate and yet you moved towards us. Thank you that the real problem is us. The darkness of sin and the shadow of death loom over us and yet the promise is still there for us that the the darkness cannot overcome the light. So thank you that you don't just tell us what needs to be done but rather you do it for us. Lord, thank you that for all of us who love this son, We don't have to fear, because we will be with you forever in heaven, Lord, and give us the confidence now to live like that's true. Help us to speak words of life and light into the dark sin of our world, knowing that all the while you are doing a work in our hearts and in our spirit to make us more and more like Jesus. So God, help us to love you more, and we'll find that the more that we come close to you and the more that we love you, the more we love others as well. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.